This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. How's it, Zanzi, and welcome to Farmers Inside Track. Wow, it's been an amazing few weeks, Ivor, of meeting the country's movers and shakers in agriculture. We unashamedly salute the unsung heroes of this industry and we believe in the power of agriculture to create social cohesion and genuinely bring people together. My name is Dawn Numdu and I'm the editor of Food Form Zanzi and with me is Ivor Price, the co-founder of South Africa's leading agricultural and lifestyle news platform. How's it, Dawn? I am Zanzi. Can you believe it? Um, it's week eight of our 13-week series in the Farmers Inside Track. And I can't believe it because we're getting such a huge response from all parts of the country. And literally, Farmers Inside Track is everywhere. Available in different platforms, including these podcasts, videos, a weekly emailer that's just about turned into a lifeline for new farmers and agripreneurs, a WhatsApp line, a bustling Facebook group. And it's the results of many months of behind-the-scenes work to accelerate the journeys of hundreds of farmers who have reached out to Food for Mzansi since we launched just more than a year ago. So Ivor, it's our first season and you just mentioned that we have 13 episodes where we're introducing farmers who've inspired us. Joining us in studio is Eric Mawane, the MD of Uneo Farms in Talton in northwest of Krugersdorp in the Gauteng province. And I'm seriously excited about chatting to him. Aye is not only a great farmer, but also a great dad. And I want to hear how he gets the time. And I can't wait to hear how he makes it all happen. Wow, Mom, what did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens, bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za On to our guest for today um, on Farmers Inside Track. We have Eric Mawane, the MD of Uneo Farms in Talton Northwest in Krugersdorp in the Gauteng province. Great to have you with us, Eric. Thank you very much. Eric, I'm always intrigued about the names people give their businesses. For example, when we started Food for Mzansi, it was a big process before the little aha moment came. The same with Farmers Inside Track. How did you get to the name of your big business? Um, in short, Oneo means you are a gift. But it's actually the initials. This is, um, Oneo Farms is actually a family-run business. Is the initials of all four of us uh, combined and it becomes Oneo. But in Setswana, it means you are a gift. And who are the four? It's myself, my wife, and the two kids, Onaleruna, uh, Oradilwe, myself, Eric, and Doa. Oh, isn't love that cute? I love it. Oh, stop it, Dawn. You're just about going to burst into tears again. You know I have to. You know that I love all this kind of stuff. Eric, you worked in research marketing for over 10 years. And in 2012, you decided to pursue farming. I got to a stage where I had reached the highest level in research. I was the group account director. And after then, um, the next position was just being a CEO. But I just couldn't handle it. The passion was kicking in and all I wanted to do was farming. So I packed my bags at my three months notice. I approached Sapo. All I wanted to do was pick farming all along. 
approached support the South African Producers Association to see if they can sponsor my uh, course in peak management. And they did that. And the rest is history. Listen, there are easier things to do when you're fed up with research marketing. I mean, pig farming is hard. What about agriculture attracted you? It's been passion. I grew up in Brett. Um During school holidays, we used to go and work in um, some farms. And uh, when I went to vets, all I wanted to do was just farming. So I had to, to satisfy the parents, give them what they wanted. And um, But then I ended up, I was majoring in statistics, which uh, threw me into market research. But I got to the stage where I felt I had to go back into my passion, which is farming. And your father was a pig farmer, am I right? No, my mentor, I actually went, after I quit uh, research, I met a gentleman called, an old man called uh, Kabelo Bukhatsu. He is actually the number one black pig farmer in South Africa currently. Um, so I met him and he mentored me to get to where um, I am. He actually was a vegetable farmer who turned into a pig farmer by default. And what's been the big value of that mentorship relationship? How did it change your life? It's actually changed it greatly because when I actually met him, all I wanted to do was pig farming. But actually, I got to see another angle of farming, which was vegetable farming. I actually got into vegetable farming also by default because I didn't have enough money to buy feed. And I decided, let me just plant a little bit of vegetable just to sustain the pig farming. And it actually happened to be just what I wanted to do. You know, the little bit of spinach and cabbage that I planted, I realized there's something into this uh, vegetable farming. I started planting peppers after the cabbages and uh, that um, I forgot about pig farming. <laughs> I closed down the pig farming and I started the vegetable farming. And that's where I am now. You had very little experience. You went and upped your knowledge. But your success as a farmer didn't happen overnight, I'm yes. sure. Accessing land, funding, how did all of that happen? I had no experience at all from pig farming. I started running a few research projects for some of the um, extra clients. To raise capital, I managed to raise uh, enough to buy my first farm in Didier in 2015. But it was also difficult uh, to get the operating cost was also difficult. So I still had to hustle here and then do some odd jobs to just to sustain the business. So from 2015, planted peppers and actually peppers are the one crop that actually got the business up and running. From the pepper sales, at least I managed to raise enough capital to buy the current farm, which is the Talton farm. And that was in 2015 where you got your first farm. And then two years after that, you got, yes, you got I your I bought the first farm in 2015 in um, November. And in 2016, uh, 17th of May, actually, I signed an offer to purchase on the Talton farm. Uh, it took about six months to get the funding together. But on the 31st of December uh, 2016, we moved into the Talton farm. Eric, I think Dawn and I should do a little bit of a drum roll because you actually <laughs> bought two farms. So let's go, Dawn. One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> do you give yourself credit? I mean, two farms, not leasing it, you bought it. I must say it's, it hasn't been a smooth riding. I give myself a pat on the back. When people see what I've achieved, people don't understand in the background, it's been a hassle. It's been sleepless nights. It's been pain trying to crack, trying to figure out where your next uh, salary for your workers is going to come from. But it's been worth it. I have no regrets at all. If I had to choose any other career, I would choose for me over and over again. What's been the difference with you? Because so many up-and-coming farmers are literally struggling to buy farms. They are on long-term leases. What's made the difference in your life? I think one of the biggest mistakes that we're making as, as farmers is we tend to turn our farms into fruit and veg. 
I use the term fruit and veg, is we tend to plant a whole lot of crops on a very small piece of land and we expect to be profitable. And we tend to miss one, one very important um, um, uh, thing that we need to do in farming, which is uh, consistency. And that is the one thing that will get you from point A to point B. If you're consistent, you're focusing, and you've got that one crop that you're specializing in, the sky is the limit. And accessing markets, was that difficult for you? It was difficult at the beginning. Um, I, had a, I was supplying some of the bigger retail stores. Signing contracts was uh, fancy, but the payment terms was a pain, you know, where um, cash flow is king in business. And when you, as a farmer, you are starting and uh, payment terms are like 60 days uh, payment and you, you wait for the 60 days to get your face payment. It was so difficult. So I got to a point where I actually had to terminate two contracts of two big retail stores in the country. And I started focusing on Johannesburg Market. And, and I must say, I give credit to Johannesburg Market because had it not been for Johannesburg Market, I would have not been where I am. But I gave Johannesburg Market what they wanted. All they wanted was consistency and quality. And for that, I, I supplied Johannesburg with those two and I got to where I am right now. And from that, um, some of the bigger retail stores actually are purchasing from Johannesburg Market. They saw my produce. Most of them came back to me and says, please, can you start supplying us? Eric, I must say it was quite a moment when I was in the store recently and I saw you on the cover of a bloody magazine. <laughs> and one of my favorite magazines, which is Farmers <laughs> Weekly. I mean, that really signifies that people are taking you seriously in the agricultural industry. Would you say that your previous life, all the stats and the stuff that bored you, gave you a competitive edge in this game of agriculture? I must say it did. Um, talking about Farmers Weekly, it was worth the way. It gave me a great deal of exposure, I must say. Not only here, I mean, I was so surprised. I was getting calls from quite a lot of people from the UK, Botswana, all over. I think from the publication to, to date, I've got about 92 people who've actually asked me to mentor them. And these are people from, I mean, I think I've got about 17 big guys that are in Botswana. I've got Zimbabwe, Zambia. I've got off-takes. I'm now sitting with about nine big retail stores that, are, that have popped into the farm and uh, saying, can I supply them? But all this is hard work. I give credit to the hard work, to the dedicated staff members that I've got on my farm. Eric definitely has a level head when it comes to all of this. I would have lost my head a long time ago just <laughs> thinking about having to respond to all those calls and requests. Yeah. But how do you do it? Um, you mentioned that your wife is also involved and, and your children is also part of the farm. Yes, it's a family-run business. I'm very proud of my 13-year-old boy. He comes back from school. He, he's got an hour that he dedicates to farming, drives a tractor, plows the fields and all that. And, and I must say, through all this, I give credit to a very dedicated um, team of workers that I've got on the farm. These are well-experienced people. These are the guys that have actually helped me to build this business. So I give all the credit to, to, to those guys. So what's a typical day in Eric Mawane's life? Well, we wake up at half past four, myself and my little boy, prepare the kids. They leave their house oh, kid, to... half past four? Yes. <laughs> they, leave the, they leave home at six o'clock. I go and drop them off at the baker at, uh, at school. I'm back on the farm at half past six, quarter to seven. The workers actually start working at six o'clock. By the time I come back dropping off the, the kids from school, it's work as usual. What is so nice is, is the machinery. I don't tell the guys what to do and what not to do. I actually focus on building the business and the guys on the farm are focusing on harvesting, packaging, doing everything. And all they get me involved in is, we are now ready. Can you go and do deliveries? With a team like that behind you, 
you know that you'll be successful. How important is it also to, to sort of give training to agricultural workers within the industry and also supporting them to grow themselves? Very important. I think one of the biggest mistakes we're making is we tend not to give credit where it's due. And these are the guys that have built the business. But one of the, the key things that I've picked up is a lot of the experienced guys that I've got on the farm and also around the other farms are illiterate. And we're not giving enough training to these guys. We're not giving enough credit to these guys. So I think we just need to invest a little bit more in training, you know, empowering all our workers. And from there, I mean, this, these are the backbones of our businesses. So we need to give a little bit more training on, on our workers. I absolutely love the fact that you want to empower the agricultural workers as well. But I'm very intrigued about your relationship with your wife. It can't be easy. I mean, I can't imagine myself and I love my family. <laughs> But I can't imagine myself working with my family 365 days a year. Isn't it difficult? Don't you go to bed with, with your work? Or how do you manage to switch off? Unfortunately, I battle to do that. I still I take um, my work from the farm into the household. And that's where the sad part is. There's a reason why. We, we are the first generation of farmers in my family. And we're trying to build this enterprise. And, and we're actually not doing this for our kids, but we're actually doing it for our grandchildren. So, but we've had to sit down, I've had to sit down with the family and explain and I sat down and I showed them my plans, my vision, where I want to take this business. And it becomes much easier with family when you actually show them and you share your vision with them. And it doesn't become the issues of, oh, you don't give us time, uh, family time. So it's, it's been a smooth ride. But Don, I'm still intrigued. Would you be okay with it if your 13-year-old boy one day turns 30 and he says, Dad, all my life was farming. I want to try something different for now. I wouldn't have any issues with that at all. Because, and, and I'll tell you one of the biggest things is I went to varsity and study systems engineering, not because I wanted to be an engineer, but because I was trying to satisfy uh, the parents' needs. And all my boy wanted to do at nine years old was I just want to farm. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we're making with parents is we want our kids to live our dreams. So if at 25, at 30, he says, no, I've done it. I've done enough of this farming. I want to pursue my own career with pleasure. I'll support that. So your parents, how are they responding now? Both parents passed on. Uh, my father passed on when I was 12 and my mom passed away when I was about 35. I do have my aunts and uncles. Very proud. I must say, I started getting calls from quite a lot. I mean, my father's brother is about 89 years old, and he gave me a call on, on Wednesday last week, and he says, oh, I'm getting a lot of calls to say your son is on the cover page of a magazine. Very proud, I must say. The family, at the beginning when I started the family, um, the family business, I was not getting enough support because everyone thought, no, this is not going to work out. And only now I'm getting the recognition from the friends, from the family, to say um, we actually understand what you've been doing for all this, yes. So your parents aren't with us anymore, but do you think they would be proud of you today? My, my, my parents would be proud. My mother um, grew up also, my, my grandfather was a farmer himself, so I grew up in Brads, um, but by the time I was born, he had passed on, and we sort of carried over from where he left off. And my mother would be proud of what I've achieved right now, because it's almost like carrying the legacy of, um, of, of her family. And people in the agricultural industry, how do they look at you now from when you started and what to the point that you have achieved? I must say I'm, I'm getting a lot of respect from, from the office of the MECU, um, of the Houghton Department of Agriculture itself, um, to the entire GDAT um, offices. But I must say also I'm getting recognition a lot from the national um, offices. 
through the exposure, through the media exposure, and through people coming to my farm, I'm getting a lot of respect. And people appreciate the support that I'm also giving to the other farmers. Listen, Eric, we are both also in broadcasting besides our work, Farmers Inside Track and Food for Mzansi. And I think we know that people change the moment you eat a cover of a magazine. But what was it like in the early days? I mean, being a black young man in this country as a farmer, was it a smooth ride? As smooth as you make it out to be? It has that? not been a smooth riding. And I must just put it straight. Is I'm surrounded by commercial white farmers in Talton. And when I actually started this farming, they didn't take me serious. It got to a stage where when they saw the efforts that I was putting on the farming, only then they came and they said, no, we're willing to offer you any help that you would, you would want. But before then, it was like all doors were closed. And people look at me and they think it's been smooth riding. It's been a very hectic five and a half years of knocking on doors, banks and everywhere, you know, trying to raise funds and the doors had been closed. And only now with a lot of exposure, people are now starting to open up to me. So a lot of exposure, I think, Dawn, is the trick. And we spoke about it um, just the other day, the importance of, of marketing yourself. What would be your advice to other farmers and agripreneurs? It's very important. Um, some of the bigger retail stores that I had approached before the Farmers Weekly um, edition closed doors on me. But when they saw the publication that I had made, the cover page, actually they drove. I mean, just last week, Thursday, I had about four big retail stores on my farm. And the very same retail stores had, that had closed doors on me. And they were shocked to understand. Only when they found out the journey that I had traveled, only then they opened the doors uh, for me. But also... For me, it's hard work. I think a lot of people don't take us seriously because we, as black farmers, we're not uh, taking ourselves seriously now. It's putting extra effort in your business that people will start to take you seriously. And obviously, building your brand comes with time and experience and also building relationships with people. How important is that? Branding is so important. So we mentored by our mentors, uh, the Rugani um, owners, uh, Vincent uh, Secura. He's actually my, a very strict mentor, I must say. And Vito Rugani. Yes. We love them at Food Forms and yes. Farmers. So those are my mentors. Very strict. I have sessions with them every two weeks. And just about two weeks ago when I had sessions with Vincent, he actually said one thing to me. He says, in anything that I'm going to do, I must understand that my brand is very important. I must not even compromise. It has taken me about 18 months to build the brand. And currently when I walk, wherever I walk, people are now know who Uneo Farm is. Over and above knowing Eric Mawande, they now know who Uneo Farm is. But I've had to build it. It's been a lot of work to build that brand. And then of course, you're saying hard work and hard work that has paid off. But what do you do for downtime? Hang around with friends and certainly we still talk farming. Get <laughs> <laughs> um, friends who studied engineering. <laughs> I, you'd be surprised. I've got uh, quite a number of friends that are medical doctors that are also into farming right mm. now. And it's also through visiting my farms. I've got engineers. I've got chartered accountants that have actually now ventured into farming. And based on, I tend to make uh, um, agriculture so simple. There's a friend of mine, Mbali Nwako, was in recruitment also. I actually um, recruited Mbali into farming, and that's where she ended up in. I've tried to make farming to be as simple as, as it is. I'm trying to motivate as much people as we can to see if we can address their food security issue. Talking about Mbali, she's of course one of the weekly people featured on Farmers Inside Track. And every edition of Farmers Inside Track features a video of Mbali 
on practical things, the difficult decisions that farmers seem to struggle with, rent or own, for example, Dom. Yes, definitely. How important is it also to access information and sharing information with other farmers, farmer to farmer? Sharing is it is what is so critical and, and that's the, the backbone of what will build the agriculture industry currently. And when I said I have about 91 people that, um, that have asked me to mentor them, and I haven't even turned down even a single one of them, because I realized if, if I had to give advices to all these 91 people, it would have made a huge difference. The pie is too big for us to share, and people tend to hold on to information and not share. And if we start sharing information, we're going to progress. All of us have got enough to share on this pie. Listen, it's been great having you in studio here on Farmers Inside Track. In 10 years from now, when we visit you on your mega farms, what would you have loved to achieve in this country? What I'm trying to do now is I travel a lot. Um, last thing we were in Israel and I was blown away by how the guys in Israel are farming. They tend to do a lot of automation and that's what I'm currently trying to do. I come from, before research, I was in system engineering background. That's, that's where my background is. So I try to automate systems. So all I want to do is 10 years from now, I want to see myself, um, the brand owner of farms, big as it is, fully automated, focusing on one crop that I know best, which are my peppers. This was an amazing time with you, Eric. I cannot say enough how proud we are here of you at Farmers Inside Track and Food Form Zanzi. You are definitely one of the movers and shakers in this industry. Eric, it's been a privilege um, having you in studio. It's also a privilege knowing you. And I guess my wish for you is that you will continue to enjoy the fruits of your labors. Enjoy the peppers of your labors and keep on inspiring those farmers. And thank you for reaching out despite your success to people asking for advice. I mean, I can't imagine having... 90 plus people looking to me for, for, for guidance. Definitely, you are one of the farmers that I can come to in a few years' time <laughs> <laughs> to say, Eric, help me with something with, with farming as well. So thank you so much once again. Truly inspirational. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Don't forget, Farmers Inside Track is available weekly. And next week, we are so excited about, we're actually interviewing his neighbor, Katlejo Malesa Mesa, who's the owner of Katlejo Mesa Farming Industries. Wow, so Katlejo will be our ninth farmer, the ninth farmer that we will be interviewing as part of the Farmers Inside Track series. And it's no secret that we salute the unsung heroes of agriculture. We're big fans of our farmers who somehow managed to succeed against all odds. Thanks for the inspiration. Thank you very much. Thank you. Until next time, goodbye. Okay, until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.